This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together to discuss all things relating to Southampton Football Club. And as always, we're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. So if you're watching along tonight, you can leave your comments and questions as we go. A massive thank you, of course, to our TSP patrons. We couldn't do any of this without you. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. And also a thank you to our sponsor for this week, which is NordVPN. Now NordVPN is great if you're looking to add extra layers of security to what you're doing online. You can protect yourself and your information whilst using public Wi-Fi on any device. And you can also use it to access streaming sites around the world, which is great if you've ever looked for a film on Netflix and it's not there. The chances are it'll be somewhere around the world and NordVPN can give you access to all of that and more. This week, you can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash Total Saints. You'll get a huge discount off of your plan. Plus, you'll get your first four months for free. And it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. You can find the link in the show notes for the podcast and in our YouTube description. Now, coming up on this week's podcast, the South Coast is ours. And Ralph survives longer than the Prime Minister. So there's plenty to discuss, uh, including that important away win at Bournemouth in midweek and of course a decent point against an in-form Arsenal. My name's Martin Stark and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant who's the owner of Saints Web. Also with us is Glenda LaCour, the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten and Alfie House is the Southampton reporter for the Southern Daily Echo. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 211 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. 
Now, I want to start this week with an email that's coming. I always say drop us an email via the website and we'll, uh, we'll read them out. Gary has got in touch to say, I religiously listen to all your podcasts and I have to say it amazes me. I almost always agree with everything that you guys say, <laughs> which is nice, uh, around performance and Ralph, etc. Love the extra bits of tactical insight, uh, which is way above my in-game ability. And of course, the bone dry, sarcastic humor. Keep it up and big love. Uh, thank you, Gary. Great to hear from you. Now, it was always going to be a tough afternoon, but Saints are only the second team this season to take points off the league leaders. And it was a one-all draw at home to Arsenal. Steve, was this the performance to be proud of that we've been waiting for? Um, yeah, for the most part, I would say. Uh, first 15, 20 minutes, we were very much on the back foot and looked looked like it could be a bit of a bit of a hammering and getting overrun completely. But basically as soon as as soon as they scored, we had a bit of a reorganization, changed the system slightly, basically changed the system to I think kind of what we all thought we might play in the first place. So I wonder whether whether Ralph has kind of outthought himself to to a little bit a uh, little bit of an extent there. But once we made that change, we I thought we looked we looked much more composed, looked like we had a had a very solid game plan. Didn't really test the keeper a huge amount in the first half, but second half, we put them under a lot of pressure and and got a deserved deserved equaliser out of it. And to be honest, if anything, I think we were the ones that, that looked most likely to um to sneak a winner. It was quite refreshing, Glenn. For once, it seemed to be us the better team in the second half. We've we've not not seen that for a while. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with what Steve said. But yeah, opening 20 minutes, we were awful. We were so passive and just not in their faces at all and they could have scored three times before they actually did but the the, the second half with with the tactical changes and I, I think it was a change in attitude as well and I think I know we're going to talk about him later on but Lianco's it's it's his planet and we all just live on it he was <laughs> he was brilliant he, he just just adding something that that we've missed it's the sort of thing Oriol Romeo used to do you smash into someone and it Get, it changes the whole mood, and um, I, I just thought he he showed that we weren't going to be pushovers, we weren't going to be messed with, and and like it or not, it is part of the game. Arsenal have got young players in the same way that we've got young players, and um, if you can put a couple of them off by smashing into a couple of tackles, it, it really makes a difference. Uh, Martinelli didn't want to know second half, and even Granite Xhaka was running away from him as well. So it was that that was that was a massive thing thing for me, and. I, I thought the amount of effort that everybody put in second half, as I totally agree with Steve. We totally deserve to come away with a point at the end of that. Alfie, who gets the credit today for you? Is it the manager? Is it the players? Is it the coaching staff? Or is it a bit of all three? Uh, well, it's definitely all three. And, and I think the supporters as well, to be fair, because they were behind the team. Um, I think, they, like, like Glenn said, I, I was really surprised, actually, that they didn't line up with the five at the back. You know, it worked against Arsenal last year, and you could see in the first 10, 15 minutes, you know, Lianco, bless his heart, a fullback, was having a bit of a difficult time and they were getting overrun. So you have to give them credit for that change, wherever they did uh, to the five at the back with Moyo Yunusi worked. And then all of his changes, I thought, throughout the game are pretty decent as well. I mean, Theo Walcott coming on for his first sort of 20 minutes since Boxing Day uh, probably wasn't the 20 minutes that he'd, he'd have hoped for. I think that um, the dive was uh, certainly an interesting effort, but. He got booked uh, as well. Didn't he? he got booked for that. He did get booked yeah. for that. Yeah, which is, you know that's right. Uh, there was a second book in that game for a dive. Saka um, did the same thing. But Moyo yeah. uh, Yunusi for me as well. Um, somebody who seems to be one of Ralph's favourite players. You know, he starts almost every game. There was a run where he started sort of six, seven games in a row up until um, Aston Villa. Uh, but today, absolutely brilliant. I thought first half. You know, perhaps not his best performance, but he was then you know, put into a different role, right wing back. We saw it briefly at, at Bournemouth, and his tackle for. 
um, you know, Gabriel Jesus, uh, when they could have gone two 0 mm. down, the game is gone. I mean, that was that was brilliant. Forty yards of tracking, Ibrahim Diallo giving the ball away, Lianco gone in right through the back of somebody, and all of a sudden they were open. And uh, you know, we stopped it, and then right at the other end, slipped into Stuart Armstrong, got the equaliser. So for me, Moyo Unisi. I'm seeing lots of love for Lianco and Elianusi in the comments already. Steve, there was a lot made of the injuries uh, over the last 10 days or so, but I think today those that came in certainly seem to, to step up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we, look at, we look at our squad and we think that we've got depth in certain positions and yet we've still ended up kind of scrambling around a little bit at times. I mean, today, we, I mean, let's, let's be honest, look at our squad and probably two of our better players are both right backs and they're both now, in, they're both now injured. Um, so that's that's a problem in a, in kind of what's always been a key position for us over the last few years. So it would have been would have been very easy for us to kind of pick a system that was basically going to kind of just plug a gap really and just kind of shore everything up and hope that kind of hope for the best in in many ways. But actually, Elinusi as a right wing back kind of kind of worked perfectly in in this game because Arsenal were so desperate to. Um, to kind of throw men forward that they left themselves left themselves exposed in that particular area. And that was that was basically how the equaliser came about because Elinusi suddenly got 20 yards of space to run into and where he's got nobody around him in terms of opponents putting pressure on him, he's got the time to he's got the time to pick the pass and to pick the right pass and to wait the, and to wait that through ball to Armstrong perfectly. Whereas I think if he'd if they if Arsenal had been sort of tracking and defending a little bit uh, a little bit better he possibly would have felt a little bit more rushed and may not have made the right decision so i think in injuries for us have, i mean the end of the day, we've got a relatively small squad compared to the likes of arsenal but we make do and yeah i mean today i think we've we've made we've made do pretty well let's talk about that first 25 minutes or so glenn because arsenal started really well and they almost didn't get out of first gear i was thinking this is not good we were talking about should we go to the pub and watch the T20? It was I was fearing the worst, but um, yeah. something seemed to change. That we just didn't seem to start too well. We were a bit too nervous. Very passive, I thought, and we let Arsenal just play the ball around and, and do what they wanted. Our two in midfield, War Prowse and Diallo, were were nowhere. They weren't influencing the game at all. Absolute passengers, and uh, just letting Arsenal pass the ball. And if you let teams like Arsenal pass the ball, they're going to cause havoc and I haven't seen it back but I mean I think I think I'm right in saying they could have scored three times before they did I think Bazunu made one save and there was what there was one that was put wide narrowly so we we weren't getting close to them at all one nil down and we didn't look remotely like we had anything going going forward it it's really interesting that the goal from Armstrong if if you look at Armstrong's run to pick up Elianusi's pass. It's a diagonal run. He comes from the left and goes across to the right. In the first half, I was really noticing that we weren't, everything was in straight lines. Again, you know, people would come short for the ball, but no one, no one would, would run across. And if you think about it, if you're a defender, if someone just runs in a straight line back towards the ball, they're easy. You know, it's your man. You decide whether to go with him or not. If people run across, then the defender's got to make the choice. Do I go with him? Do I hand him over to someone else? It just makes the defending a lot more difficult. Um, I was watching Odegaard in the first half. He was brilliant at that. It just it just gets on the ball in right the way across the pitch. Whereas whereas our players, we you know straight lines didn't work. Armstrong's diagonal run, no one went with him basically. Um, so he ran. I think it was in front of Gabriel and behind the other centre half Saliba or the other way around. Picked up that picked up that ball and slotted it. So that that was brilliant. But we we just weren't doing that in the first half. 
mainly because you know it just seemed like we were so panicking about the fact that Arsenal were just sh- shredding their way through us whenever they wanted to. But we did sort it out, and as I said earlier on, I think the games change on on incidents, and um, just smashing into a couple of tackles and, and Ralph's tactical changes really, really did sort things out. Not not great in the first half, but this you know the rest of the first half, but the second half in particular, I just you know it was it was an even game in the second half. Whereas for most of the first half, I thought um, Arsenal looked um, far and away better than us, which is kind of what you expect. But in the second half, we showed that you can live with teams like that. Is this the plan B that uh, that he was talking about after the game, Alfie? I saw a couple of uh, of quotes flying around with talking about talk about a plan B that uh, where we change things up a bit. Yeah, I thought it was quite funny actually. Uh, explicitly said plan B because I know that's something that's been levelled at Ralph quite a lot is that he's got no plan B um, I think he certainly has this season we've has he been listening to us? <laughs> he might well have been um, but, he's, had no, he's had no plan A for a lot of this season <laughs> yeah it's followed yeah and uh, look, it was always um, it, it must have been obvious to be fair like we, we've all said about how the vibe at the back was was you know, always the option so they, there's no doubt that that was always going to be an option but yeah it, it worked out well I thought um, what Glenn just said about Stuart Armstrong there was interesting about that run uh, just outside, I spoke to Stuart after, and he actually talked. He said that I mean, I haven't seen the goal back. If somebody here can can point it out, but he wanted to go inside at first, um, so he must have changed his movement at a late stage. Um, there was no room for him, or something he said, and he went outside and he trusted Moel Yunusi to get that ball. And I thought it was a really good finish as well. Um, you know, really, really clever finish. But yeah, it was good to see that um, he changed things up. And I think Ralph has done that this season. I think the coaches are doing that. They are changing things quickly. And for once, it, you know, it's come off and it's good to see. And Alfie, with Elianusi and Armstrong, Ralph is still very much kind of bought in to these two because these are the ones where we would say those kind of like number 10s would be looking mm. at the, the B team and looking at some of the younger players and go calling for them to come into the team. But I know that he's been speaking about them um, and and still enthused about them as, as players. And he still thinks they've both got quite a lot to offer. I don't think that um, he he's fought as highly of Stuart Armstrong this season as he probably had done in the past. I think Stuart's played a lot less than he has done. And he, he, talked, he talked in pre-season about how he wanted to get him further up the field because he always tries that incisive pass. And then when he does give it away, if he's in the middle of the park, there's no one behind him and they're in big trouble. Um, but, you know, certainly El Yunusi, and, and hopefully this could be a bit of a resurgence for Stu. Last season, for me, I said that on last time I was on the podcast two weeks ago, he was the most important player for Southampton. Every single time he played, they played better than when he didn't. So if he gets back to his best, then, you know, it's better for everybody. What was there was a stat, wasn't it? Every time he was involved, we won or we didn't lose. No, not quite. That would be quite the stat. No, no, we didn't. Yeah, Southampton <laughs> didn't lose. We didn't um, lose for, when he was involved, did yeah, we, for a bit? So. For three years, yeah. Steve Ralph said afterwards this way says, I saw a team fighting for the club, fighting for these games and for the result. Were they fighting for the manager too? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, it's at the end of the day, if I mean, you, you only have to look at other clubs in this division and their results this week and their performances this week that kind of illustrate when you know damn well that um, that the players don't care about the guy making the decisions. And when you look at how bad Villa were at Fulham on Thursday compared to how good, well, certainly how good they were in the first 15 minutes against Brentford today, just won the game early doors and and you kind of look at Leeds as well, that they're, the players there seem to be going going through the motions a, a little bit as well. And yet for us, the last three games, I mean, second half against West Ham, we were on the back foot a lot. But I don't think it was necessarily a lack of effort. I think there was a there was a fatigue factor in that game. Whereas on Wednesday at Bournemouth and today at St Mary's, the second half we've been we've been still at it right to the final whistle. And I think that does show that the players are, are happy with with the direction that that the manager is is kind of going for them personally and sort of as a as a team unit they're happy that that those are the um those are the instructions that they're being given it, 
the end of the day, if if they weren't, then they then this week we'd we'd have seen them down tools. I think the other thing about that is that all the players, or you know, certainly half the team that are playing right now, they're either backups normally or new players because you know the result of injuries that we've uh, some of them have had. So they're all they're playing for the betterment of their careers as well. So I think they've seen the benefits of that. Yeah, that's a really good shout, actually. Glenn, do you think we could have gone on to win it? Um, I think that would have been a bit greedy, uh, to be <laughs> honest, um, especially after the first 20 minutes. Yeah, I think Steve said at the, at the start that if, if any team looked like nicking it in the last sort of 20 minutes, um, it was it was probably us. I thought I thought Sam Edozi had good impacts when he came on as well. They, he, you know, he's obviously a, a little bit lightweight. He's just um, looks like he weighs about six stone, but he he needs to. If they get him the ball in the right areas, he can certainly do damage in that last 20 minutes. So, I mean, and, and the thing we haven't mentioned today, of course, was Che Adams was brilliant against Bournemouth and he couldn't play today. So we had Joe Aribo playing up front. He's not really a striker. It was he looks a little bit makeshift, but I thought I thought he did well in the in you know in the hour or 70 minutes, whatever it was that 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 he was on. And it was um and it was the right time to take him and Adam Armstrong off, you know, because they they'd both sort of like done their best, run themselves into the ground, and um, so so yeah, I think yeah, maybe we could have nicked it, but um, but I don't think you'd find a you know a person of a saint's persuasion who was uh, unhappy with uh, getting a point today. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it would have been quite as much of a robbery if we had won it compared to last season. <laughs> no, no, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe was not. Forty percent was it possession? I think today. I think I saw right, yeah. twenty six yeah. last year. So I guess the the question, Steve, is going to be how we keep that intensity up. It it feels a bit like a kind of a line in the sand almost. We that was the game that we wanted to see in that second half. So it, it's how we keep that going and that momentum now. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, players have got to be able to put in put in these performances back to back. And I mean, they've got a week's break now until until we play at Palace uh, next on on Saturday. I mean. By the sound of it, they were absolutely abysmal at Everton today. So you do wonder whether they're on a little bit of a little bit of a barren run at the moment, and we might be able to take advantage of that. Perhaps. Um, I mean, we've got a we've got a pretty reasonable record at Sellhurst. Um, it's a ground we we quite like quite like going to for the most part. So yeah, I mean, you you would imagine there are there are plans plans in place this week to to put a system in place for um, for the weekend that nullifies the plentiful sort of pacey attacking threats that Palace have got while being able to take advantage of what looks like a bit of a ropey defence for them. I mean that's that's ultimately our our issue, isn't it? That we don't we don't convert enough chances that we created. West Ham West Ham first half we had loads of chances, um, didn't do enough with it and and in the end uh, didn't get the points. Um, today we've not really created a whole amount in terms of working the keeper, but we have taken the chance when it's come our way. Um, and we need kind of more of more of the latter and less of the former especially against against teams who are likely to be sort of in and around us. I think I think Palace realistically are still going to be sort of lower mid table sides and they're they're the sort that we've got to measure measure up against. And the injury Alfie for for Che Adams, that was the the major one on the team sheet when that came out. Nothing to worry about too much. Obviously fit enough for the bench, it was just a case of not recovered in time to to start. Yeah, he's fit enough to bring him on, so you'd have to assume that a week will be absolutely fine. And we hope that, you know, we don't know how long Romeo Lavia is going to take to get up to match fitness, as Ralph says. But if he's in full team training for a week, is that long enough to, to maybe see him back? Maybe Niles will be fully rested as well. So. Yeah, just and Glenn, just on the um, the fullbacks, there's a, a centre back. Sorry, there's a, a couple of good combinations there and a couple of options that he's got now, which I feel like we didn't necessarily have this time last year. Those that have come in have, have done okay. Well, I think we touched on it last week. The the it, 
you know, we have definitely upgraded the center back area in get you know getting the ones out the door that we we got out and um when you when you you know if everybody's fit then Chiletta Zara is probably still a substitute but I, I think he's he been did well today though didn't he did he's been very good the last two games he's um he's very a simple kind of defender he doesn't do complicated things he mm. just he heads the ball he clears it he's in the right place when he needs to be the, the one thing I know is more in the Bournemouth game than today is that he doesn't seem to quite quite get there when there's a crowd of bodies around him like defending corners and stuff like that you don't sort of see him getting in amongst sort of six players to edit away the same way that Salisuk does maybe that's that's a you know a Premier League type thing that he needs to get used to and hopefully he'll get better with that because he's he's a big guy you know he's, he's got the he, build for it hasn't he yeah mm-hmm. but he, he just he seems a little bit timid sometimes when there's loads of bodies around him so that's the only sort of criticism I've got of him so far uh, I hate to bring bring the name Jack Stevens into it but there are times when he he just does look a little bit like that but as as a as a defender he's he looks the type he's he's not going to miss anything he's not going to make sort of dumb mistakes so yeah I thought he was good against Bournemouth and I thought he was I thought he was good again today so uh, yeah happy with that and a word on the keeper, Steve. I think he's he's kind of like the last couple of games is, has really kind of started to show his, his class and and that he is definitely the the number one. Good good with oh, his yeah. feet I again. Mean, yeah, did did everything that was asked of him today. Couldn't do anything about the goal, obviously. I mean, the the strike from from that close range, you, unless it's basically straight at you, you've more or less got no chance. Everything else he dealt with. I think the the one, I mean, the one sort of vaguely difficult save he had to make from that Jesus volley. Was was fortunately fairly close to him, so he was he was able not to didn't have to kind of go full stretch uh, for it or anything, but still dealt with it, did what needed to be done. It, it and the ricochet went away from goal, which always helps. I mean, quite often when when the, when your luck's out, even even if you pull off a great save like that, it it falls straight to the feet of feet of an oncoming striker. So um, it's good that his his kind of luck is changing a little bit in in that sense. But yeah, I, I agree. His distribution's getting better. Um, I mean, he's all, he's always been confident with the ball at his feet. He's never never looked remotely flustered at all. It's just a case of whether he can get that range of kind of thirty to forty yard passes that go over the attacking um, attacking players out to our fullbacks. Um, and quite a few of them were decent today. There are a couple which maybe a yard or two behind. Um, I think Perro, um, there were a couple where he, he got the ball like a yard or two behind and his, his control then let him down and the ball went out for a throw-in. But um, other than that, I thought, yeah, distribution was fine. Command the box was fine. There were a couple where he um, where he came and came and got um, got rid. You can you can see on, on the TV coverage when um, when he's communicating to the guys in front to basically just get rid. Um, and I mean, it, it kind of sounds like should be absolute basics that even Sunday league keepers do this, but you'd be amazed how many, how many keepers just fall into this sort of common mindset of, Oh, I've just got a, I've just got to deal with what's around me. I don't, don't have to marshal the people in front when actually, no, you've seen a few of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. You're, you're the, you're the one guy that can see the whole pitch. So yeah, it's it, the communication thing is absolutely vital and it. And yeah, as I say, it does look as if that's improving. Yeah, one one more thing to say about the centre house, mm. which um, which I forgot, which I meant to say, Salasu absolutely mm. back to his best. Oh, yeah. The last yeah, the last two or three games, a couple of ropey mm. passes today out of defence. To be fair, in that first sort of twenty when we were struggling a little bit, but in terms of actual, actual defending and getting blocks in, getting tackles in, he's he's been superb the last few games. So uh, hopefully he can he can keep that going and uh, back to yeah, it'd be interest, interesting to watch him at the World Cup as well. 
Yeah. Uh, Sonny says, good evening all. Can we acknowledge Theo Walcott for taking time out of his busy schedule to play some football today? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Ellie says, uh, plus side of having a young keeper is that he gets better with every game. So, uh, yeah, good. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewellery of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweller since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Point. Let's chat about the uh, the other game earlier in the week then. Saints keeping a clean sheet at last, uh, keeping the manager in a job as well. 1-0, the win away at Bournemouth. It was ugly at times, Glenn, wasn't it? But it was kind of win or bust. We had to win that one. So it was always going to be ugly. Yeah, we not got the Bournemouth lad coming on this time. No, <laughs> he didn't fancy it. He's busy tonight. <laughs> oh, well, surprised. Yeah, it was ugly. Um, yes, it was. Second half, what <laughs> a lot of football played in the second half, was there? We you know we, we did enough. We got ahead. And in the second half, Ralph decided to, um, again, bring Lianco on and um, and try to shut the game down. And, and we defended properly. And Bournemouth had nothing. They 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 had nothing really. Um, there, there was only one real alarm when Bazunu dropped the ball in the last sort of couple of minutes. But he he um, he kind of earned his luck there, I thought, with his performance and um, and Salisu whacked it away. So you know, I I thought that was that was a good away performance. We you know we got the early goal, got our noses in front, which I think we all thought was sort of important in this game. And and I, I thought Bournemouth were largely terrible. They 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 didn't really they they added nothing. Um, added nothing you to the game. You did predict really. that last week, though, to be fair, didn't you? You did well, say I, that... I looked at their six-game run that they'd been on, and fair play, they picked up the points, but there were two wins in there, and both of those were sort of come-from-behind victory where against Leicester and Forest, where in both games, the manager said, hang on, we were dominating. The opposition manager said, we were dominating those games, and they've nicked it. So I didn't think Bournemouth would be great, but I, I was... I was surprised quite how how flat they were. And bearing in mind they have won those two games coming from behind, I expected a real sort of Alamo effort in the last sort of 20 minutes or so. But there's... Last, last 15, we managed that superbly. Yeah, I thought they, they, we, they barely had a kick. Yeah, hmm. we, just passed the, we just passed the rule around. And um, and um, and he wasn't great today, but Diallo, when he came on against Bournemouth, was was superb. He just he just knocked the ball, ran, ran it out of defence, and it just seemed like they um, they couldn't get near him or anyone else. Stuart Armstrong had really good impact when he came on as well. We just just having a couple more players comfortable on the ball, and we, we just passed it and saw out that game relatively comfortably. Which, as long-standing fans of Saints will know, we 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 we're not usually very good at that. So it was um, it was um, it was it was comfortable. And apart from that time when Bazunu dropped the ball, I was um, I was relatively comf- confident that we were going to get get to the end and um and uh and win that and i was never worried about dominic solanke whatever jacob might <laughs> might um <laughs> might, might say about that so uh yeah me one me one jacob nil what was the uh the sense of relief like at the end alfie with uh with the win and the clean sheet i mean it must it was a it was nervy in the second half and it's fine margins but the the substitutions paid off he got Leanne Corn at the right time and it, it, it had to be a win and and, and he got it done 
Yeah, I think that probably is the biggest thing in just relief because um, although it was a good away win, I don't think it was a you know particularly brilliant performance. It wasn't particularly inspiring. They were dealing with a lot of uh, you know a lot of injuries and issues. But I mean, the way they played, he, Ralph set himself up for had they not won that game. Uh, there would have been so many questions, you know, going five at the back or, you know, eight or nine at the back from 60 minutes, um, you know, bringing the defenders on. Uh, I mean, I was really surprised to hear that some some supporters were chatting sacked in the morning when um, Lianco came on, even though Southampton were winning one hear it very la- You could hear Did it very Did you hear it? Really I, always, I always question these things because it only takes one microphone to pick up um, mm. a couple of people. I could hear it and I wasn't sure whether that was the Bournemouth fans, whether it was our fans, but... but well, the, I mean, there, was, there, was no, there was no noise from the Bournemouth fans all night, so it could only have come from our end. No, no, and no, I could hear it. Um, again, I, the Southampton fans were the opposite side of the ground to me, but I, I could hear it. And I, like you say, I wasn't sure where it was coming from at first, but mm. I think it obviously was from the Southampton fans. But uh, but he set himself up for that, didn't he, ultimately? Because to play so defensive against a team like Bournemouth, yes, they're unbeaten in six, but we could see they had nothing to offer, really. Um, so to then get the result was a relief. And you know, typically they, they go for the celebrations and they do the they lock hands and do the bow. The and, whatnot, and, yeah. and, you know, you can you can gloss over it now, can't you? Because now they've had another good performance in the tank. They've got another point. You can move on from the fact that, you know, it wasn't a footballing miracle. It was, a, it was three points away from home. <laughs> um, but they've got it. They needed it. He's still in the job. And there's enough credit in the bank now for Ralph that, uh, you know, the next few weeks, uh, there's no debate about that. Yeah, there was a few standout players for me. I think Coletta Carr was one. I thought, obviously, Diallo, Maitland-Niles as well, I thought was, was all right, Steve. Yeah, yeah, very good. And that was that was kind of the performance we were, I think, hoping for when he first when he first came in. And, and I think he looked a little bit all at sea uh, his first couple of appearances. But yeah, I mean, that was that was excellent. He retained possession well. He, he knew when to lay it off, when to keep hold of it. And I mean, ultimately, that's something that, um, that perhaps he could probably le- learn a lesson from based on his the, the majority of his performances this season. Um, but yeah, he was he was very good. I mean, let's let's be let's be brutally honest. It wasn't up against much. I mean, he's up against the the collective might of uh, Lewis Cook and Jefferson Lerma. It's not it's not like he's up against De Bruyne and Rodri, is it? But um, sixty million can, pounds worth of midfielders, though. Yeah, you can you can only <laughs> you can only put um, you can only. <laughs> Do it no, against that's what they paid for them. Yeah. I think my 50, but yeah. Do it against uh, what what you're up against, and it's but it's it's a good sign. It, it gives us it gives us options, and we know that Maitland Niles is quite versatile and can play probably four positions. I think um, probably probably right back, both the two sort of pivot positions, and you can play you can probably play him on the wing as well. I reckon because um, he played he played there quite a lot in his early days at Arsenal, um, so he gives us a lot of. A lot of options. So even if you've got fitness worries in other parts of the, other parts of the field compared to where you would ideally like to play, you can still kind of shoehorn him into the team and not disrupt the the balance too much. So I think I think he's going to be very very important going forward. Um, and especially once we get restarted after Christmas, because um, those games are going to come thick and fast. It's going to be absolutely mental mm. when we're playing a game every three or four days for what three weeks um, to start. Um, to, to sort of restart the season again. Um, everybody's going to be getting injured. Games, those first few games are going to be a weird pace because I think teams are going to try and race out of the blocks, but then they'll the reality of the situation will kind of hit and you'll you'll have a number of games over that period that are just going to be terrible spectacles. And it's going to be about, the key is going to be who's got kind of the strength to reposition players in their team to kind of maximise the the sort of limited amounts of energy that everybody's got. And I think, as I say, Maitland Niles is going to be a key player in in that because, as I say, he can play multiple positions. El Yanusi 
today showed that he can he can play a play two or three. Um, so he's he's going to be a be a useful option as well. Even Diallo was okay today. I thought I thought he he retained the ball a lot better than he did in in his pre uh, previous start at home. So that's that that bode, that kind of bodes well, I think, for going forward. And if we can get get Lavia back quickly, I mean, if he's if he's back before before the break, then great. If not, kind of you can you can kind of live with live with three three more games. I think in um, in this sense, then yeah, I think we're we're looking all right. The the only issue the end of the day is and that's it's been our issue for a while is goal scoring i mean we need to find a solution whether that is somehow developing one of our current strikers to suddenly be able to score 15 goals a season um or whether that is by signing somebody in january then yeah that's got to be addressed i mean I, i still think we can be relatively safe in in this in this division without that this season Simply because there's so many really bad teams, um, there's a there's a whole lot of dross in this division this year, um, and I do wonder whether this is now kind of the the natural sort of end point for where the financial side of things in in the game has got so mad and so sort of stretched. Where now you've got a top six who have got so many more resources than everybody else, Newcastle aside, that. Because they're those top top teams are able to stockpile everybody. Um, everybody else, the quality is just so diminished now. Um, so while the games against each other are interesting in terms of there's there's a story in the games and there's and the games are always well fought. The actual quality level has been pretty poor from 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 a lot of what I've seen. I mean, even even just the games this week, those a lot of those midweek games were were really bad games of football, um, ours included. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to disagree with that for sure. We'll get on to um, Palace in just a moment. Mark says it's been such an important last week with five points from three games. Looking at the table, it's so close. We're three points off the bottom, but also three points off ninth. It seems like no one's going to get cut adrift. Um, it, it is tight. It is fine margins, Glenn, but um, that's mm. three unbeaten now. So is that enough to see Ralph through to the World Cup break, do you think? I mean, it, it's, it's been a good yeah. week. He, he's done what we've, what we've asked him to do. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I'm I'm beginning to think maybe we just talk it up too much. Maybe maybe his job. Maybe it was never sort of really precarious. It, it's I would I would have said he would have struggled if we'd got beaten by Bournemouth. You know, I, yeah. If we'd lost that game, I would have the, said this, the, fan, this. the fan reaction after that game would have been yeah. would have been horrendous. And if we'd lost that game, then today, if he'd still been there, the 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 negativity would have um, would have been overpowering probably. But uh, but no, I think you know. Five points from from a week is um, is decent, and there's a few you know there's mitigating circumstances at the moment as well with the injuries we've got, and we mentioned it, mentioned it before. It's not his fault that we don't have anyone to stick the ball in the net, really. You know we've got we've got a few who can do it occasionally, but we, we haven't got we haven't got a, we we don't look at the moment like we've got a striker who's going to get ten goals this season. So um, so yeah, I mean I, I would I would definitely say that he's um, he's unlikely to be under any. Under any pressure, how many games have we got before the World Cup? Three, three, three. well, four one if the, you include Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, one of them's Liverpool away, so that's in normal scheme of things, right off. Even though, well, that's, well, that's looking that's looking like a win based on their they're hilarious at the moment, aren't they? <laughs> they're <hilarious>. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> they're bad. Beat Man City and then lose to Nottingham Forest. How's Interesting uh, FPL. How, how very nineteen nineties. <laughs> um, there's a comment that says uh, does a defeat at Palace trigger the hysteria again um, Alfie I'm tempted to say probably not now I think he, he's bought himself a bit more time this this week I don't know if you feel the same yeah I think he has bought himself more time for sure um, 
we, we asked for four points from these these three games and we got five. Does it trigger the stereo again? I think there'll always be people that you know that, that think it's not the right way. I think some people have suggested, oh, we're just papering over the cracks. You know, he, he can't die, can he, Ralph? Whenever he seems to need a result, he gets it. Um, so you know, some some will suggest you know he's beating Bournemouth and getting a couple of points against West Ham and Arsenal. Really, just going to ex- you know keep the can further down the road. Are we going to be talking about the same things in January if he if he does stay through the World Cup um, as a result of getting these couple of results rather than cutting it off now and, and starting a clean? And me personally, obviously, I hope that uh, you know that isn't the case. I hope he continues to do well. But I think Adam Blackmore keeps on mentioning. Um, one name, who's a manager in uh, River Plate, I think it is Marcelo Gallardo, and I think he's leaving um, his club this winter. And it, but we've seen Wolves as well. Wolves, have, they've had to keep with their interim manager for the rest of the season. They've come out and announced to do it because they can't find a manager to manage them. Yeah. And and if nobody's going to say yes to the Wolves project, then you know, is it going to be that easy for Southampton to find somebody? You know, do they well, want being, to being, to... being told what to do by by uh, Mendes probably isn't necessarily in mm. somebody's interest if you if you're i mean like say Mike, like michael beale was obviously the guy who turned him mm. down during the week i mean you look at him i mean he's been managing for what four months at qpr mm. obviously seemingly doing a great job to begin with but so so young in in the game and it's it's oh, it's bold of wolves to to approach him in that situation but also pretty level-headed of the guy to just yeah. turn mm. around and say no nah, this is this isn't for me at the moment but there must there must have been a reason other than Oh, I don't think it's the right thing to do. Mm. It's very refreshing. Um, He's thinking about yeah. his long-term career, isn't he? He's thinking about mm. longer term because he could probably earn a hell of a load of money, hell of a load more money at Wolves. But he's probably thinking, "I'll be there if we get relegated. I'll then get sacked, and then I'm back back at square one." And and then he'd be looking at a job in League One. Yeah, so well, that was what all... surprised me about Rob Edwards going to Watford. It's like you know, you've got a good job at Forest Green, and then you uh, you take the Watford job. You you, know, you get you get a big payout for you know, two years' wages for three months of work. But then you, you know you're not going to be there very long, don't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> having having seen, I mean, still with, take with, those jobs. Yeah, I mean, with with the Edwards thing, I mean, I'd I'd seen a fair bit of Forest Green in League Two last season, and they properly stumbled over the line basically from January really? onwards. Mm. I think their their form was like fifteenth. Um, but mm. they they built up such a such a lead at the start that it would have been it would have taken a proper Devon lock um, stumble at the end for them to um, for them to not mm. not go up in the end. Um, so I actually think he he moved on at the right time. It's just Watford kind of fooled us all into thinking, oh, we've changed. Yeah, yeah, we're not yeah. we're not, not going to go three managers in a year every every single and then year. Now Slavin Bilic is there on a twelve month contract. Uh, here we are again. <laughs> 12, Twelve game contract. <laughs> well, yeah. So, assuming that the uh, the Palace game doesn't trigger the hysteria again, Glenn, what have you made mm. of them? Uh, how do you reckon this one might um, play out at the, the weekend? Because I think it was two all on our last trip to South London. It's um, yeah, it's always uh, it's, it's always it's always a, it's always a, a close game. Place yeah. To go, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it'll be an interesting one. I mean, I'm al- I'm already thinking of Lianco against Wilfred Zaha down that side of the. I had that oh, for sure. Uh, uh, you know, that would just be fantastic. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, that'll be really interesting. There's no way that 90 minutes goes by without there being some sort of square up on the pitch with uh, Prowsey chipping away at the background, uh, you know, in the background uh, saying something as well. So, um, yeah, well, I'm looking forward, looking do you remember, forward to Do you remember Lianco's debut against Sheffield United in that cup game where he had that <laughs> to do with Ollie McBurney? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, can, I, can see, I can see something, something like that. I mean, Palace this year, I, I kind of expected them to be one of the the better sides this year. I, you know, when I looked at them on paper, I thought, you know, they could um, they could sort of, you know, break the top 10 this year. But it hasn't really happened for them yet. I think they're missing Conor Gallagher, obviously, from midfield, who was who was only on loan last year. I, I like certain elements of their side. I think the centre-backs are good. You know, Gay and Anderson, I think, are, are decent. 
fullbacks not so much Mitchell and Ward I think uh that they can definitely be got at they're they're not great sort of defending the back post that sort of thing they've got some decent attacking players bit of an idiot though he is Zaha is decent as a at least say good players not sure about up front they Odson Edward just doesn't seem to have done too much since he's come down from Celtic so they're and in mid in midfield they seem to be a little bit weak as well again missing the missing Conor Gallagher so I um I, I do think I do think it's an opportunity um I watched a bit of their game against Everton and they were truly dreadful it's got totally outworked outrun in midfield um they actually had um he's the striker who never scores it apart from against us um Calvin Jordan Ayub yeah. was playing There's a list of, of those <laughs> yeah well, he's playing sort of central midfield <laughs> Uh, and he just, you know, didn't look comfortable at all. Milivojevic is still playing. I don't know how old he is now. So I don't know if they've got a, injuries in there. But, you know, it, it's um, mm. it's a it's a chance to take advantage of the fact that they weren't weren't particularly great. I also watched a bit of their game against Wolves um, earlier on in the week. And I know they won that in the end. First half, honestly, they couldn't put two passes together. It it was it, it was dreadful. So I definitely think we go into that game thinking, you know, if we if we put in a decent performance, we've we've got a good chance here. But it's it's a it's again a case of of doing the basics and um and and making sure we keep it tight, make make them work for anything that they uh, they want to get because we will have chances. And then it's it's the old thing of you know can we take them? Hopefully Shay Adams will be fit and. Um, yeah, and we can uh, get something out of that game, but I don't. I certainly don't see why not. It's going to be about the momentum again, Alfie, isn't it? There'll be people saying actually, well, maybe we should bring in like a dozy. Someone just said about um, should be given the nod, but would he want to stick with the same team from today just to to give them a chance? I don't know if it'll be exactly the same team today. It's a very different game, isn't it? But um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see Moyo Yunusi again on on the right, even or something like that. I was actually just going to touch on what Palace a little bit as well as what Glenn said. Mm. Um, I've been having a, a keen interest in Palace's attack since having Wilfred Zaha in my fantasy. And I couldn't agree more with Glenn. They look they look really out of sorts. It's three really good attackers and at least say Eze and Zaha. But again, against uh, Leicester, uh, they drew nil-nil. The, the attacker didn't do anything, didn't lay a glove on Leicester. You know, one of the only teams to not lay a glove on Leicester this season, surely. And Wolves, you know, Zaha did well, but in the second half, um, but I watched the first half and he you know, didn't touch the ball. And then I only come back on to see after that he's man of the match and, and they've got a goal. So, I couldn't agree more with Glenn. I think there's a massive opportunity to get them there. Um, and, you know, that game last season to all uh, Southwest Parking, I think it was December, you know, that was actually really lucky because of Warprow's free kick and Armando Broja, 40-yard, mm. um, you know, 30-yard strike. Neither of those things look like happening right now, but yeah, definitely a chance to, definitely a chance to get at. Um, whether I'd name the same team or not, I don't know. It's such a different game that, do you want to go with this four at the back and play Lianca right back again? That doesn't, clearly doesn't work, does it? So if you, don't, if you don't do that, who do you play? Do you play Juan Larios? Is he ready for the Premier League? Probably not, in, in my mm. opinion. So I think you've got to make some changes, but I probably would go with that five, El the same midfield. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully Che Adams is back in. Che Adams back in up front, yeah. Um, they did get one over on us at St Mary's in May, Steve, but we kind of like died out by then. That was, you know, sort of like post-January. We'd given up and were on the beach, weren't we? Um, yeah. It was, yeah, not a great one. Always a tough place to go. Let's do some predictions for this. I was going to say, let's start with anybody who got the Arsenal one right, but nobody hmm. did. Um, Glenn, you're still leading Alfie by one point at the top of the table. We all thought we'd um, lose today. Steve, let's go to you first for the um, Palace prediction. What do you reckon? Um, yeah, I, th- I think, I think, I mean, we do, we generally do, no, we, yeah, we, hmm. gen- we generally do all right there and they're not looking great. All of a sudden we look as if we at least know what we're doing vaguely. Um, so yeah, why not? 2-1 win. 
2-1 win. Right, uh, Glenn? Um, I was going to say that, so I'm not now. I'm going to say a 1-0 win. 1-0. No, this is all very positive, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Alfie? Based on the current sort of way things were going this season, I tried to avoid the what Steve predicts, so I'm going to say a, a one-all draw. <laughs> a one-all draw, right. Well, I reckon there's some goals in it. I'm going to go for two-all, so there we go. I just want to touch on the women's game as well. It was odd today because like, all the games kicked off at the same time, trying to keep on top of... Um, it was the, the women's game and then the B game as well. Great win for the women's team today, beating Sheffield United 1-0. Alfie, you were at their match on... Was it Monday, Monday night? You, yes. You've seen a lot of football this week. Yeah, too much. Well, no, I don't know. Not enough, actually. No, they were really good on Monday. You know, we, we spoke about the game beforehand, but um, Birmingham are a side who were you know, cup winners in the last sort of five years. Uh, they're in the WSL last season. And um, I spoke to Marianne Spacekell after they got a 1-0 win and they, they, they'd they edged them out. Um, she said that it was like a boxing match and they, they'd laid the knockout punch eventually. And it, it did feel that way. But I asked her what her message was to the players and she was keen to say that it's not the pinnacle. Um, what we've achieved today is good. We've beaten a, an established setup. It was a fourth good result against a fourth good team in a row um, with Palace, Bristol City, Lewis as well. And then they've gone and they've won one again away on the road today. And you just think that Anything really is possible in that division. You know, Coventry United, um, only one team goes down in the championship, which is a, a disgrace because last season we were on the other end of it and we're saying, you know, Southampton have got to win the league and then win a playoff to go up, which is a joke. You know, there should be two. But by that virtue, on the right side now, Coventry United have got no points um, after, what, six games? You say that Southampton, they're going to be in the championship next season already. They've already established that. And from here on, it's just looking upwards. All part of the plan, which mm. is good. Brilliant. Thanks very much for everything this week. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter. It's at Total Saints Pod. Our website is totalsaints.co.uk. That includes a link to our online shop, which is Total Saints Icons. And you can drop us an email during the week as well, if you like. Uh, We're also on Patreon, where you can find out more about supporting the podcast with a monthly contribution. It's patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast. There's four different tiers on there, ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And each comes with different perks, including some weekly shouts out at the end of the pod for those in our Francis Benali or our Mick Shannon tears. So thank you. Here comes the roll call to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins and Matt Hall in our Francis Benali tier and also Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed in our Mick Shannon tier. Um, thanks, Steve. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Alfie. Is it just the one match this week for you? There's no B games or women's games? Uh, women, no women at home in Sunderland as well. So two. Right, okay. (laughs) Another busy week then. Uh, We'll catch up next Sunday night. Thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you again soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.